So, you want to ride a motorcycle? Well, you've come to the right place, because this is the So You Want to Ride a Motorcycle Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chris Geis, and this is episode number two, the title of which is To Gear or Not to Gear. And that is the question for this episode. So this is kind of interesting. Maybe I'm going to kind of add in some trumpets or something here because I've made it to episode number two, Um, which, you know, two episodes for a podcast is not a big deal. But, you know, once I've released this, I'll have twice as many episodes as I had this morning. So that's pretty good. That's pretty good progress. Uh, And I say it's interesting because, you know, I've heard that there are certain milestones when it comes to podcasts uh, in terms of, you know, reaching certain numbers of podcasts as an indication kind of statistically of whether or not the podcast is going to survive. You know, either combination of that the podcaster, you know, continues with it and uh, doesn't lose enthusiasm, you know, and I guess also to the the degree that there's success and people are listening and so that keeps the podcaster recording. So, uh, like I said, little fanfare, da-da-da-da, episode number two. So before I get into the topic for tonight, I just wanted to mention I was uh, actually listened a couple times to the first episode. You know, I just usually and anytime uh, I'm on a podcast or uh, you know, like a co-host a podcast, I like to listen to the podcast again. You know, one just to kind of it's kind of interesting, especially when you're co-hosting, when other people are talking, sometimes you're thinking about what you're going to say next. And so you're not always paying attention. So it kind of helps me go back and, and fill in what I might have missed from what the co-host said. But I also like to listen again so I can kind of critique myself, you know, just listen to what I said and how I said it and, you know, what what could I do to improve for the future. So the point being that in listening to episode number one, I realized that especially when I started a new segment, because what I'm doing so far, we'll see if I continue in future episodes, but kind of outline the show ahead of time so I can just keep track of the things I want to talk about and not ramble too much. But I record it in chunks, so I'll kind of record a piece, and then if I'm either kind of losing my train of thought or just feel like I, I need to stop, you know, stop a moment and just collect my ideas, yeah, I'll stop the recording and then pick it up again. And so I noticed I had a habit uh, when I started a new segment of saying either so or okay or so okay or okay so. So I actually was thinking of naming this episode so and okay, which okay I I didn't do, but. Let's see how it goes tonight. I'm going to try to be conscious of that and not do it. If I do find myself doing it, then maybe we're going to make a game of it or something where listeners, they listen to an episode and then they count the numbers of so's and okay's and I don't know, maybe there's some kind of prize awarded or something. But all right, so we'll we'll have to see. We'll have to see about that. As I mentioned in episode one, this podcast, not just the episode, but this, this podcast in general, you know, I'm kind of aiming at new writers or at least focusing on getting new riders into the sport and the activity, right? So like I've said, there's, there's different audiences I kind of see myself supporting, including people who are working to get, you know, to train people who are already motorcyclists or working, whether it's in industry or clubs or whatever, working to get more people interested and involved. So this, you know, this is geared mostly for new riders, but hopefully the things I talk about in this and upcoming episodes will be useful to other riders as well, because I do want to try to have a broad audience, kind of the more the merrier. Now, 
as, as I mentioned in episode one, I'm not an expert in any particular area of motorcycling yet. But, you know, given three years, going on three years of experience and having done a couple courses and, and reading and, and watching lots of really good, you know, videos on YouTube and, and reading magazine articles and, and things of that sort, and, you know, having about 8,000 miles under my belt, I do have a, a, a good amount of experience and a broad area of knowledge in, in lots of areas related to motorcycling. And uh, like I said, I've got quite a bit of experience, you know, as, as a rider now. Not as many, not as much as some, but you know, a good amount of experience. And you know, I've had some close calls and things, and I've learned from them. And uh, you know, I do find myself improving every time I go out to ride. But my goal overall with these different episodes is to give you an idea of what it is that I do, in the hopes of you know giving you some things to think about. You know, maybe even if you're an experienced rider, even if you're a very experienced rider, you know, maybe things you haven't thought about before or haven't looked at, you know, just because I'm coming from a different, you know, different angle. I've got a different background, different experience, different viewpoint on things. And I'm hoping to get everyone to think about the important questions related to them regarding, you know, the topic of whatever podcast episode I'm doing. So like I said, tonight's episode is to gear or not to gear. I'm going to be talking about the motorcycle gear that I use and why, um, but realize that this is not an endorsement of the particular items that I'm going to be talking about, nor am I being paid to promote them. Uh, it's just the gear that I've selected uh, for various reasons, and I'll talk about that. And like I said, hopefully inspire people you know, who are either starting out and looking to acquire gear or not happy with the gear they have or, you know, even an experienced rider running into some kind of difficulty or problem that, you know, maybe I've come across a solution for. And the show notes for this episode will have links to the different items that I talk about, just in case you do want to take a look at them or you're interested or, or want to do some research. Keep in mind that, uh, you know, like many many product areas, you know, especially related to clothing and fashion, you know, like lots of types of clothing, motorcycle gear does change over time. You know, the, the trends and the fashions kind of change and, you know, every year manufacturers are releasing new items. So some of the items I have are a couple years old. So you may not find exactly the item that I, I use and I include the link for, but at least, you know, give you an opportunity to kind of research it, you know, find out something about it and, you know, hopefully find something comparable. And in most cases, that's not that difficult. One thing I did want to mention is I'm, I'm trying to strike a balance with this podcast, and, and I'm hoping I'll start to get some feedback from listeners on how successful I am with this. But like I said at the beginning, you know, the, these couple episodes I've done starting out with an outline of things I want to talk about. And the, the problem is there's a tendency to try to kind of perfect it and make sure every single thing is there and I haven't forgotten anything and I haven't overlooked anything. The reason I'm using an outline, I don't want to script these things because I think shows that are scripted sometimes come off a little too robotic. And, you know, sometimes as I'm talking from my own outline, you know, an idea will pop up and I just kind of talk about it off the cuff. And I actually think that makes for a more interesting monologue, you know, when, when you're listening to someone just talk in an episode like this for half an hour or 45 minutes. Um, but do let me know, you know, how you think it's going. Um, and so in particular, you know, tonight I, I did a fair amount of work on the outline. 
I commute by train, so sometimes an idea pops into my head and I'll kind of jot it down, or even I'm at work, you know, I get an idea. But I didn't want to spend too much time perfecting it, so I kind of decided, let me just sit down and record the episode because I think it's more important to get another episode out and to get this information out there and just kind of wing it a little bit. And and hopefully, like I said, it just makes it a little bit more interesting to listen to. But by all means, write to me and let me know. And you can always contact me at so you want to ride at yahoo.com. That's one word. So you want to ride at yahoo.com. All right. So let's get on to tonight's topic to gear or not to gear. So this topic of motorcycle gear can be a pretty controversial topic. And I think for a variety of reasons. One, I think some people kind of perceive that it can interfere with their freedom. And I think for sure, One of the things that attracts people to motorcycling is the sense of freedom that you get. You know, you're not in a cage in an an automobile or or a truck, right, as motorcyclists tend to call them. You're not surrounded by metal. Um, And you also, particularly if you ride off-road, I mean, certainly on-road, but particularly if you ride off-road, you just have freedom that you don't have otherwise. You can go in narrower tracks. You can go places you couldn't easily go or, or not go at all with a vehicle. You know, you can go down alleyways and things of that sort. So that, that's, I think, one thing. And then the other thing is, you know, there, there are differences in laws, right? So I'm not aware, you know, my familiarity is the United States and, and the customs and the laws in the United States. I know in certain other countries, particularly European countries, things may actually be a little more strict, a little more stringent. stringent. Uh, but one of the things, you know, in, in the U.S., I'm not aware of any states that require any particular type of gear other than a helmet, And that can vary from state to state, right? Based on how the U.S. government, the U.S. Constitution is set up, states can, to some degree, determine, you know, for themselves the laws that they do and don't want to enact, and you know what the what the legal legalities and customs of things are within within the state itself. And one of those things is on helmets. So there are some states that require a helmet to be worn when you're on a motorcycle uh, for you and passenger, and then there are states that don't require a helmet. And so like I know riders, for example, who uh, will carry a helmet so that if they're riding in a state that requires a helmet, you know, they're, they're, they're doing it legally and they're not going to get pulled over and stopped by, by a police officer. But as soon as they cross a state line into a state where they, that, that does not require a helmet, they take the helmet off and then they strap it down on the motorcycle or whatever. Now, that's a matter of personal freedom, uh, personal choice. And I think one of the things I will emphasize in this podcast, because it's something I believe in, is personal responsibility. For sure, there's a place for various laws and regulations, um, but I also do believe in freedom of choice. It's a basic founding principle of this country. Um, and But the thing is, with freedom of choice comes responsibility. And so, you know, my view is everyone has a personal responsibility to research the topic, you know, research the facts, find out what it's all about and come to an informed conclusion on their own and then decide what what it is that they're going to do because after it all after all it's it's your life, right? It's that it's that person's life and it's up to them to choose, you know, how they want to live it so long as, you know, in my viewpoint, they're not interfering with the liberties or freedoms of someone else or, you know, causing potential risk or harm to someone else. Now, another reason that some people may be opposed to gear is that it can be uncomfortable. And that's why it's very important to find 
the correct gear and make sure that it fits right, even if that means shopping, you know, finding a store with qualified salespeople who can help you out or going shopping, you know, with with a friend or a family member or someone else that rides and has experience and can help you select gear that's going to fit right. Because it is true that uncomfortable gear and poor performing gear can be a distraction. And that in and of itself can be a danger, as well as, you know, a factor that interferes with your ability to enjoy the activity that you're doing, which is motorcycling, you know, being out in the environment and the fresh air, you know, just enjoying the scenery. Well, if your helmet is too tight and, you know, you've got hot spots or pressure points, you know, where the helmet is sitting on your head or your gloves are too loose and you don't have a good grip on the handlebars or your boots are too tight and your feet hurt or your, your clothing is not warm enough for the conditions and you're, you're shivering, you know, you're on the verge of hypothermia or it's too hot and you're not hydrating yourself, you know, and you're on the verge of a heat stroke or something. I mean, these are all real factors, right? And much more so than with other vehicles like cars, right? In a car, you're in a pretty safe and closed environment. You know, nowadays, pretty much every car, right? You've got air conditioning and you've got whatever, you know, you've got heated seats and heated steering wheel and a windshield defroster and, you know, heated mirrors so that they don't fog up and everything, you know, you've got all this extra convenience, you know, to keep you comfortable and make it easier to to keep your attention, hopefully, on what you're doing, which is driving the car. Okay, with a motorcycle, it's a different story because you're just more exposed to the environment. That's part of what is so awesome about motorcycling, but it's also part of what can make it a challenge. And so gear selection can be really, really important. Now, here's an important point that I want to make that I may actually take up in more detail in a future episode. But and this applies particularly to, to new riders, uh, you know, p- people who are getting started and have not yet bought their first motorcycle. And that is, as you're deciding on your budget, you know, what it is you're going to spend on your first motorcycle and this activity, make sure that you're not spending the entire thing on the bike itself. Make sure that you're leaving some of the money and exactly how much that should be. I don't know. I may not get into that in this episode. And, and again, it is kind of an individual choice. But certainly make sure, you know, do a little research ahead of time. Figure out what you're going to need. You know, you're going to need a helmet and you're going to need a jacket and you're going to need gloves and you're going to want boots and etc. Figure out what you're going to need. Estimate the cost and hold that much aside. Or maybe even better yet, you know, start shopping for it before you buy the motorcycle. But the point is don't blow everything you've got you know, on kind of your dream motorcycle, as exciting as that could be, and then not have money left over to buy decent gear to protect yourself. To me, to me, that would be a mistake. Again, it's an individual decision, but, you know, it's just something I would recommend is definitely think about that, you know, as you're getting into the sport and as you're thinking about your first motorcycle purchase. Okay. So if you haven't figured this out already, that da, 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 uh, as a motorcyclist, I choose to wear gear. So I'm going to be talking about my experience with gear, you know, what I have and haven't used, what I like and what I don't like. And, you know, just please do me a favor and listen. You know, if, if you're brand new and you're just getting started, you know, listen for some tips as far as what to look for, things to consider when you're making trade-offs on, you know, 
how you're going to spend your money or the kind of gear you're going to get or you know how much you're going to spend on different items of gear. If you're a motorcyclist who doesn't wear gear or you're not, you know, it's just not your thing, I get it. Um, uh, you know, a personal decision. I'm, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. I'm just going to say I wear gear and I recommend that others wear gear. And who knows, you know, give it a listen. Maybe I'll say something somewhat intelligent and uh, maybe I'll change your mind. You know, maybe you'll you'll get a viewpoint you didn't have before. And it's like, hey, wait, you know, maybe he's got a point there. Maybe I... Maybe I could think about wearing that piece of gear or, you know, maybe maybe that wouldn't be so bad. And if you do gear up, well, maybe I've got some ideas you haven't thought of yet. So at any rate, stick it out with me to the end of the episode and uh, let's see what I got here. So like I said, um, I do believe in gear and many motorcyclists will talk about ATGAT, A-T-G-A-T-T, which is an acronym that stands for all the gear all the time. Right, so the basic concept is, and this is at least how I apply it, whenever I'm on or around the motorcycle, I wear gear. You know, I, I wear gear appropriate for what it is that I'm doing. Now, am I sometimes a little lazy? Yeah. You know, do I sometimes get on the bike in the driveway because I got to move it or I'm going to do some work on it and I'm wearing my sports sandals and, you know, not boots? Yeah, I do. Um, is it a risk? Yeah, honestly it is. I mean, I haven't had a problem yet, but you know, the thing is you're, you're dealing with a piece of machinery that is fundamentally unstable in various ways, especially at low speed or when it's not moving, right? So depending on the motorcycle you've got, let's say it weighs anywhere from 350 pounds to possibly as much as a thousand pounds. Now, depending on your size and your stature and your strength, you're going to have various abilities to dealing with the weight of this thing. Now, if you have a motorcycle stood up, right, and the kickstand is up and you let go, guess what? It's going to fall over. You know, it's kind of depending. I mean, if it's well balanced, it kind of should be a 50-50 on whether it's going to fall left or right, <laughs> you know, and that may be affected by if the handlebars are turned a little bit or whatever. But the point is, you're dealing with a machine, a piece of equipment that's basically unstable. So you're moving this 500, 600 pound machine around, whether it's your garage or your driveway or the street, and there's a slight incline or there's obstacles or there's rocks or there's, there's sticks or whatever, you know, you run the risk of dropping the thing. And, you know, I hope that doesn't happen to anyone. No one ever wants to see it. I've never dropped a bike. Knock on wood. I will talk about some close calls sometime. But the point is, you know, if you do drop the bike and let's say the peg or the kickstand or something lands on your foot or, you know, your foot ends up under the wheel or some other sharp or heavy part of the motorcycle or even even worse, you know, you lose your balance either, you know, because the bike is falling over or an attempt to save the bike from falling over and then you end up under the bike, especially if the, the motor's been running, you've got a hot motor, you've got a hot radiator, if, you know, if it's a water-cooled bike, uh, you know, you've got a chain, a greasy chain, you know, God forbid that the engine is, you know, that the engine's running, right, where potentially you could have problems there. But so the, the point is, you know, it's just something to factor in. It's something to think with. And that's why as a general rule, when I'm working on the bike, I like to have at least some kind of gear on. Certainly, you know, long pants with my legs covered, decent shoes, not sneakers, you know, at least work boots kind of thing, you know, if not my actual riding gear. So just something to think about. So we're 
going to get into a little personal interest now. Um, you know, I heard, got some feedback from the first episode that people like to kind of hear this kind of stuff because I think it does make it more unique and more personal. But I just want to talk a little bit about some of my own experiences in the past, not even with motorcycles, but just experiences that I've had with injuries or near injuries and how that's kind of shaped my idea of, you know, wearing gear, particularly on and around motorcycles. So one early experience I had was in junior high school, and I won't go into all the details, but basically another student and I were asked to move a belt sander, one of these, you know, um, floor floor units, right? It's a self-standing, like a belt sander, a metal cabinet, you know, a, a belt that was probably two and a half foot, maybe even three foot long. The whole machine probably weighed about 150 pounds. And the art teacher asked us to move that machine into the art classroom from wherever it was being stored. So we did, and uh, the thing was heavy enough that we weren't lifting and carrying it. We were kind of sliding it a little bit here and there. And, uh, you know, as may be common in a lot of schools, you know, it's kind of a, not tile, but it wasn't really marble, but some kind of stone floor. And the the tiles or the pieces were separated by, you know, strips of metal, whatever kind of metal it is. I don't know if it's aluminum or whatever it is. Well, one of those strips had popped up, and so it was raised above the surface of the floor. And I was kind of pulling the machine, and he's pushing the machine, and the machine got caught on this metal strip. And before I could explain to him what was happening, he gave it everything he had to keep the machine moving, and it pivoted over. And, of course, the end of the belt sander that was extending out from the machine came down and, and fell on my, uh, on my foot. Now, I was wearing sneakers. So, needless to say, it hurt. I'm pretty sure I saw stars. But so I kind of stopped what we were doing. I walked into the classroom and I sat down on a chair. And I knew I had a problem when I looked down at my sneaker and I saw blood leaking out, right? So not, I'm not trying to gross anybody out, but that's just what happened. And I won't go into further details. And it ended up that I had a, a you know, fractured toe, you know, I had a hairline fracture or something like that. So I broke the toe. So what's the point of the story? The point of the story is had I been wearing at least leather boots instead of sneakers, or even better yet, steel tip shoes, yeah, I would have felt the impact, and maybe it would have stung, and maybe I would have had a bruise or something like that, but it wouldn't have broken my toe, and you know, I wouldn't have been laid up for a couple weeks you know, having to hobble around on crutches. So that, that was one example. Um, you know, another thing, uh, I guess when I got into my 20s, um, you know, I, I always loved to ride bicycles, you know, on, on the road, 10 speeds, 12 speeds, whatever, whatever they were at the time. Uh, but when I got into my 20s, thereabouts, I started uh, riding mountain bikes, you know, riding off road and doing, you know, not some of the crazy stuff I see on YouTube nowadays, but, you know, some pretty decent terrain stuff, you know, uphills and downhills and some fairly high speed stuff. And, you know, in some cases it's like single track and you're wending and weaving between trees and things like that. And, guess what? It sometimes happens that you flip over the handlebars. So I'd always worn a helmet anyway, just because I'd had experiences road riding where, you know, I had cars almost run me off the road or all kinds of things. I mean, I remember, you know, being on, being on a bicycle road trip and having a, a convertible full of teenagers ride by 50 miles an hour and throw a cup of ice out the window. I got to tell you, ice cubes are 50 miles an hour. I don't feel too good, especially on your back. Right. So it's kind of things like that. I was like, okay, well, because things can happen that are beyond your control, right? I didn't expect to be riding a bicycle on this two-lane, nice, quiet country road 
and have ice cubes come flying at me at 50 miles an hour. Um, so that's the thing too, like why I emphasize the importance of gear is, yeah, you never want to have to need the gear. You always want to be a smart rider and you want to be educated and trained so that you're as safe a rider as possible. But there are factors that are outside your control and these things can happen. And the fact is, if you've got some gear on, it can help, you know, re, re, you know, it may not stop the thing from happening, but it certainly can reduce the damage that, that occurs. So anyway, so, so back to the, the mountain biking. So yeah, so it's not an uncommon thing to like, you know, run up against something, lose your balance, you know, get stuck in a rut, hit a, hit a tree root, you know, and you kind of go down and flip over the handlebars. So, you know, I, I learned, yep, definitely want a good helmet. I never wore pads and stuff like that, but even nowadays, that's probably not a bad idea. You know, you see uh, people who ride off-road you know, motorcycles like motocross and stuff like that. They have all kinds of protective chest plates and things like that. Now, you know, I don't go to that extent riding on the road, but, you know, there is gear like that that's available because people have learned through experience that, hey, you know, bad stuff can happen and this kind of gear can, can really help out. Uh, another example, um, riding skateboard as a teenager, I used to love riding skateboard and, uh, it's a big hill in front of the house and, you know, here I am head, heading down, getting a good clip, lost my balance, fell off the skateboard and landed on my tailbone, which I've got to tell you, if you've ever experienced it, that was probably the most painful thing I've ever experienced in my life. And particularly because there's like nothing you can do to alleviate the pain. You know, it's like if you get punched in the face or, you know, you get hit in the arm or whatever, you know, some big impact or cut or something, you can usually do something, put some kind of pressure on the injury or the cut or whatever it is, the side of the impact. You can put some kind of pressure, you can put an ice pack, you can put a something and it kind of alleviates it. But something like that, like bruising your tailbone, it's like, it's just it's like you can't, at least I couldn't figure out, like you can't really get to it. You can't really relieve it. And I just remember kind of just hopping around like in the road. My, my friends thought I was nuts because it just hurt so much and nothing I could do would get me away from the pain. All right. So again, point is there actually is gear that would help with that. Like, for example, I have uh, armored pants that have a pad, you know, over the tailbone. Now, thank God I haven't needed it. Uh, so I don't know how effective it would be, but I have to think it would feel a lot better than having no pad, you know, and hitting your tailbone on the asphalt like like I did. Okay, one last story, and hopefully I'm not boring you with this, but it's actually kind of interesting just to think back on this stuff. Uh, and that is uh, in my 30s, I guess, I got really interested in rollerblading. I was doing that a lot. And um, I don't know if someone when I bought the rollerblades mentioned something or I was talking to people who rollerblade, but I decided pretty early on to get some, get some gear. Um, you know, I had experience ice skating and roller skating and stuff as a kid. So I knew I had a decent sense of balance, but I wanted to protect myself, you know, so I got elbow pads and you know knee pads and fortunately wrist guards. And basically what it was, was like a, a nylon wrap that goes around your wrist and with this very sturdy, I guess plastic, but a really kind of impact absorbing plastic, you know, not something brittle that went from the palm of your hand, you know, over, over the wrist to the, just the beginning part of your forearm. Right. And then this whole thing is Velcroed around. So it gave some protection of the wrist joint. Well, thank God I had that thing because actually it was rollerblading in, uh, in New York city. It was in Queens. If anyone knows that area of New York city, um, 
you know, in a neighborhood street, there's a lot of cars on the street, but it was not an active street, so it wasn't like a problem with a car. But I came off the sidewalk transitioning onto the street, and I lost my balance. I don't know why exactly. The, the rollerblades went out from under me. I fell backwards, and of course, the first reaction, you know, is you put your arm out to kind of catch the fall. And so I landed right on basically like the heel of my hand. Now, I can tell you, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm six foot tall and at the time I probably weighed 190 pounds or something, right? So that's a fair amount of, of mass hitting, <clears throat> excuse me, hitting the ground, you know, on, on one joint. So I can tell you, it did not feel nice. I mean, it, it, I felt the impact of that. But I'm pretty certain if I hadn't been wearing that wrist guard, I would have shattered my wrist. And that that could have been really unfortunate. I mean, you see people that have bad injuries like that, and it's, it is not a nice thing to have to deal with. So anyway, so that was another lesson about, you know, fortunately I had the gear on, but a lesson about the importance of the gear. And so fortunately I didn't break the wrist or anything. It was bruised. It did throw bones out of alignment. Actually, the chiropractor re, you know, adjusted the wrist for me because it was kind of awkward and uncomfortable, and I had no no strength and no power in, in, it was in my right hand. And he just kind of did a quick little feel around, clicks up into place, and then it was all back to normal. But if I hadn't had that wrist guard on, I don't know. I, it, you know it would have been surgery, and who knows how much metal and plates and things would have had to be in there just to, uh, to put it back together. So I, I guess the point being that um, all these kind of experiences, you know, just over the years have kind of convinced me that there's a reason that we have gear and it's definitely worth wearing. I want to talk a little bit now about the approach I took to choosing gear when I first got a, started motorcycling, you know, back in kind of spring, summer of 2016. Now, this is the approach I took, and I think this worked pretty well for me. You have to evaluate it for yourself and see if this is the approach you want to take and other riders, you know, might advise you otherwise. But my basic approach was I was aware that there was lots and lots of gear and types of gear available on the market. There's, you know, dozens and dozens of manufacturers and, you know, within a product area, you know, just helmets. There's so many styles and choices of helmets and quality of helmets and price and, you know, jackets and gloves and the whole thing. So I didn't want to be too overwhelmed by the whole thing. So that, that was one thing. I, I didn't want to, I, I wanted to get started motorcycling. I mean, like I said, it was kind of spring, summer and, you know, the season's not long enough as it is. And, you know, I've got so many other things going on and I work a lot and I do a lot of volunteering at my church. And so there's a lot of things that are important to me, you know, other than motorcycling and family and, and, and all of that. So I didn't want to get caught up, you know, spending weeks and weeks and weeks researching gear. And although, you know, if, if that's your thing and that's what you want to do, by all means, you know, more, more power to you. But I wanted to get going. I wanted to get started riding. I wanted to be sure it was something I really, really was going to enjoy uh, before I, I went to all that effort and, you know, and spent lots and lots of money. And then the other thing was I wasn't sure what type of gear was going to suit me the best. So my basic approach is I chose to, you know, buy gear, buy equipment that was in my, in my view, you know, not overly expensive, not breaking the budget seemed to be adequate 
for the task, you know, safe, safe enough for, for the kind of riding that I was going to be doing. And honestly, a lot of my gear I bought at Cycle Gear. Now, you know, again, this is, this is not, I'm not promoting Cycle Gear. I'm not, I'm not getting, you know, they're not sponsoring me. I'm not getting paid to talk about Cycle Gear. But one of the reasons I went that route, I'm very fortunate. I've got a Cycle Gear that's about 15 minutes away from me. So it was very easy to, you know, shop online or at the store. Yeah, sometimes I'll go to the store, but even just, because the store doesn't always stock everything or they don't always have the size or the quantity or, you know, sometimes they're out of stuff, could shop online, get it shipped home, try it out. If I didn't like it, it wasn't suitable, 15-minute ride, and I brought it back to the store. And, and they brought it back and gave me my money back, no problem. So it was was really easy to buy online and be able to return easily. I didn't have to pay shipping and, and all that kind of stuff. So that's the kind of thing to, to think with and keep in mind. Now, one thing I do want to mention about that approach of, you know, let me get something to get started and see how I like it. And, you know, maybe not the best quality thing or the most protective garment or or piece of gear. The problem is I've collected a lot of pieces of gear. And this is probably true of a lot of motorcyclists. I don't think it's unique to me, but I'd say in my closet, I probably have five jackets for motorcycling. Uh, two pairs of riding pants, six pairs of gloves, four pairs of boots, and I've got three helmets. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I've used it all. Um, I think I could easily say I've gotten my money's worth out of every piece of gear. Like even let's say I spent $30 on a pair of gloves. Okay, well, it let me go riding with at least some protection on my hands. And, you know, if it was, I don't know, 500 miles of riding, well, there was definitely some value to that. So not only do I feel I got my money's worth out of it, but in all honesty, I've got spare gear now, right? So if my favorite pair of gloves is a problem or falls apart or I lose it or whatever, I've, I've got a backup. And then the other thing too is, you know, if, if someone comes by and we want to ride together and they don't have gear or, you know, a relative comes from out of town or whatever, or teaching someone to ride, I've got some extra gear on hand. So overall, not a bad thing at all. Like I said at the beginning of the the episode, keep in mind that gear does change frequently. So, you know, products within a line will change from year to year, every couple of years. And you may not be able to get the exact items that I talk about, but at least you'll get an idea of the kind of things that I use. So keep in mind that when you're on a motorcycle, and in particular, this is something to really keep in mind for passengers. If, if you're someone that rides on the back of a motorcycle and is listening to this podcast, awesome, because then there's some things in here for you. Uh, but particularly if, if you carry passengers on your motorcycle, realize they are as prone or they, there's as much or if not more risk for them as a passenger as for you as a rider. And in general, and I don't know exact statistics to quote, but I think you'll probably find that you know, in situations where there's an accident with a motorcycle involved and there's a rider and a passenger, the passenger probably usually comes out the worst. One, because they're not necessarily prepared for what's happening because they're not on the bike and they're not seeing what the rider, what the driver is seeing, Um, but also because they don't have as much to hold on to. And particularly if it's like a sport bike or something like that, they're sitting up higher. It writes all, all kinds of factors. So this applies to passengers as much as it does to to the rider. But the thing is, 
you're not in a car. It's not the same. You're not inside a metal cage. You don't have any roll bars. There's no crumple zones. You don't have any bumpers. There's no seatbelts to restrain you. There's no airbags to reduce the impact. Basically, your body is going to take the place. Well, your body and what you're wearing, the gear that you're wearing, is going to take the place of those things. And so there's lots of kinds of protection that you want to be thinking about and you want to be looking for, right? So one is impact protection, you know, just minimizing the shock to your body, depending on, you know, what the, what the incident is. Now, an argument that some people will make against wearing helmets is, well, you know, if, if you're on a bike at 70 miles an hour and you hit something and you fly off the bike and you go headfirst into a tree or a vehicle or something, you're probably going to die, well, that's probably true, unfortunately, and I'm not saying that to scare anybody, but it's just the truth of it, right? But the thing is, that's not the only kind of impact you could have. You could be riding the motorcycle at 70 miles an hour and have an incident where you fall off the bike onto the pavement, you know, and, and, and you fall off, you know, whatever, you kind of lever off, you know, come off the bike or whatever. And let's say that the bike doesn't even touch you, you know, and, and you roll down to the pavement and you whack your head. The difference between having a helmet and, you know, depending on the, right, depends on construction of the helmet and, and, and how it's made. But whatever you have there, the hardness of the helmet shell, the, the shock absorbing properties of, of, the, of the foam and the other material that's inside the helmet is going to be a big difference compared to just whacking your skull on the pavement. It could be the difference between having a concussion or, and being knocked out and, and splitting your head open, you know, or it, it could be the difference between life and death. So whatever, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to like be, uh, you know, terrorize people or anything, but, but the thing is, this is what you, in my opinion, this is what you have to look at, like really confront this thing. You know, as a motorcyclist, you're doing this activity that exposes you and makes you vulnerable in many ways. Like I said, this is a balance because the very same reasons you have the freedom and the experience and the enjoyment of motorcycling, the flip side of that is the risk that comes with it. And if you value your life and you know you, you think about things and you kind of weigh things out, you want to balance it's the risk reward right so you want to have the rewards but you also have to take a look at and confront the risk and like figure out how you're going to manage that risk again you know it's up to each individual but that's just my advice so then the other kinds of protection you want is abrasion right so if you come off a bike i mean any kind of speed but the higher the speed the worse right you don't want to be rubbing skin directly on the pavement or on the dirt or whatever surface you're riding on um, and depending on the type of material, right? Different materials have different abrasion resistance. Um, you know, denim jeans are not going to do much as you're sliding across the pavement where, you know, various types of gear, whatever it is, whether it's textile, leather, um, Kevlar, etc., it's going to make a difference. The other thing you want to look for is protection from twisting kind of incidents. Now, you know, one thing that comes to mind is a neck, you know, neck twisting, a helmet, okay, isn't going to particularly protect you against that very much. Although, and I won't go into details in this episode because I'm not super familiar with them, but like be aware that there are, there's more and more technology coming out on the market where basically airbag type technology is being 
made available or or as an add-on or included in certain kinds of equipment. So for example, there's something called a Helite vest. I could put, I'll put that in the, the show notes, uh, which is basically a, a vest you wear outside your body that's got a CO, CO2 cartridge, and you've got a cable connected to your motorcycle, and if you come off the motorcycle hard enough that it pulls that cable, then the, the vest will expand and will give you some additional you know, shock absorbing and whatever. And the point I'm getting to is depending on how such a thing is designed and there are now jackets that have like airbag type things built in made by Alpenstars and Dionese uh, it's actually built so that there's a piece that comes up around your neck so it can actually to some degree may not immobilize but keep your head you know from bouncing side to side or maybe twisting too severely so so even that is possible but certainly you know wearing decent boots especially if they've got some kind of, you know, nice, strong, rigid outer shell could keep you from twisting and breaking an ankle. Um, you know, wrists, oh, I don't know so much, you know, but there, there are gloves of varying levels of protection that could help in that regard. And then, of course, you know, there's breaking, you know, you want to have protection from breaking, breaking bones, whatever that may be. I myself prefer gloves that have knuckle protection just because, you know, the thought of coming off the bike and whacking my hand on the pavement or some other hard object. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I actually would like to have some kind of protection there. In my experience, it doesn't make the gloves any less comfortable. Um, and it just gives that, that extra safety margin there. And then of course there's, you know, protection from crushing or being crushed. And, you know, again, probably helmet is the thing that comes to mind the most there. Um, you know, where, whatever, you're in a situation and you go down and something lands on your head, the bike lands on your head or your passenger lands on your head or, or whatever, the more you've got there protecting you, you know, the, the more you're going to, the, the less damage, the less issue you're going to have, you know, with, with that kind of force. And uh, one thing I had thought of also, you know, before I, when I was thinking about, you know, what I wanted to say in this episode, one of the things I had thought of too is if, if you, you know, if, if you find racing interesting at all, or even if you don't, see if you can watch a couple motorcycle races, particularly like very high-level uh, competitive series like MotoGP or World Superbike, uh, Moto America also as well. And the thing being, you, you, what, what, I mean, I'd say, I can't say with 100% certainty, but it's probably pretty true that Every race, there's at least some kind of incident of at least one rider coming off the motorcycle, you know, off his motorcycle. Um, and it's an interesting thing to see. And the reason I bring this up is when you see these incidents happen, it will give you, I think, a real appreciation for the value of safety gear and safety equipment. Because you could see a guy come off a motorcycle at over 100 miles an hour and they'll slide for... Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what a couple hundred feet, or maybe it's maybe you know a couple hundred yards uh, across. You know, across the pavement, over the curb, you know, and into what hopefully is a runoff area that's that's gravel or concrete or something like that. And generally, not all the time, but I would say ninety nine percent, maybe even more, ninety nine percent or more of the of the incidents I've seen, the rider gets up. Now, often the bike is in such bad shape that they can't continue the race. Um, and then for various safety reasons that I'm not going to get into, they may not be permitted to continue the race. But it, it's very rare 
that you see a rider in one of these series um, have to be carried off the track. Now, generally in all these series, I think, you know, they have to go for a medical exam because they want to make sure that there's no internal injuries or, or in injuries sustained, right? Because in a situation like that, you could imagine the rider is going to be in a fair amount of shock, uh, you know, because hitting the pavement is hitting the pavement, you know, and no matter how good your gear, there's going to be some impact, um, you know, these guys do break bones and sometimes they continue riding, you know, in may, may not be the next race, but you know, a couple races later, they may be back to riding, you know, with a broken ankle or a broken wrist or something like that. That's definitely something you see. But the point I'm getting to is watch some of these races because you'll see what look like really hairy incidents where you're like, Oh my God, this guy is going to die. And they get up and they walk away. And the reason is because of the technology that goes into the safety gear and the effectiveness of the safety gear. Now, I'm sure that stuff is very expensive. And, you know, you're not going to buy something off the rack in cycle gear that's going to provide likely the same level of protection as what these guys have. But the point is, you kind of see that, and it's something my girlfriend Gina has mentioned to me, like she's just, it, it kind of in a way has actually given her more confidence as a rider in kind of a funny way and also kind of dinged in more the importance of wearing gear because she sees what happens to these guys and they get up and walk away and they're able to do that because of the gear and because of what's there to protect them. So like I said, just something to think about. And plus motorcycle racing is awesome anyway. So if you ride a motorcycle, definitely watch racing. It's, it's really cool. You can learn a lot about technique and, and things and, you know, don't, don't watch these things and then decide to go out and replicate it on the road. That wouldn't necessarily be a smart thing, but it's definitely a cool thing to watch. And so that's just kind of a side benefit as you get an appreciation for how effective good safety gear and equipment can be. And another point I wanted to make is the, the issue of convenience. And it's something to think with when you're buying gear and you're selecting gear. The more convenient your gear is, the more convenient it is to have on hand, you know, if you're not always wearing it to have on the bike, the more convenient it is to walk around, to sit on the bike, the more comfortable it is. Like Those things are great benefits because the more convenient and comfortable you find it, the more I think you're going to find yourself wearing it. And the, the truth is that if you're not wearing the gear, it's not doing you any good. So you might as well not even have it. But so Take some, take some time, you know, take a little time, try on different things, try on different helmets, try on different jackets, try on different boots and make sure that they fit you properly and make sure they're comfortable, make sure the gear is convenient, you know, and, and really think, is this an item of gear that you're going to use? Because if you use it, it's going to help and protect you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming up on about the 45 to 50 minute mark on this episode, and I'm about halfway through my outline. So I'm kind of thinking about 45 minutes is probably a good, good place to end off an episode. Um, I really don't want to make this like an hour and a half long episode. So when you listen to this one, um, you know, let me know if that, if that, if that works out good, if that, if that's good or not for you. Um, I just don't want to have to try to cram the rest of it in. I hope everything I've talked about so far has been interesting and, and actually hopefully, you know, it's not intended as a teaser, but hopefully what's your appetite for part two, where I'll talk about the actual gear that I wear and why I selected it and what I like about it and what I don't like about it and what's been good and what's been not so good. But, uh, I do want to, I do want to give this subject 
uh, its due importance because it is something I feel is important and uh, something I, I really want everyone to think about and get the most out of, you know, which is choosing the right gear and, and wearing it when you get out and ride a motorcycle. So it is time to close episode number two. Uh, once again, I want to say thank you for tuning in and listening. I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I've enjoyed recording it. And remember, you can contact me anytime at so you want to ride at yahoo.com. So you want to ride is one word at yahoo.com. And you can also find me on my website, www.soyouwanttoridemotorcycle.com. That's so you want to ride a motorcycle, one word.com. I know it's a little bit long, but I just happen to like that title. So, so it's a little long. So what? Um, and on the website, like you'll find my, uh, my Twitter account and Facebook. I could kind of tell you all that stuff, but it'd be easier if you just go to the website and, and click the link. So let me know that that works out. Okay. Like I said, you know, write me anytime. Let me know what you like and don't like and what you'd like to hear about in the future. I do want to make this as much as possible a podcast that is geared to the needs of my audience. I have lots of things to talk about and lots of ideas, but as much as possible, I want to be talking about the things that you want to hear about, you know, that you're not finding elsewhere. Uh, definitely do check out my Facebook page. Uh, again, you'll, you'll find it on the website. You can also, of course, find me directly on Facebook. Now, unfortunately, I don't know if anyone experienced this problem today. I'm recording this. Uh, it's Wednesday, March 13th, uh, around noon Eastern time. Uh, Facebook kind of broke. I was having all kinds of trouble and I was doing some research on the internet, you know, Google or whatever, and there was other other people finding the same issue and uh, Facebook had actually put some stuff, some tweets out on their Twitter account just mentioning that there were some problems for some people. At any rate, so I'm just having a little difficulty accessing it right now, so I don't want to steer you in the, the wrong direction, but it is a bit of a long name for the, for the podcast, but if you go to Facebook, you can either search for so comma you want to ride a motorcycle or the handle is the at sign ampersand not not ampersand i'm sorry the at sign so dot you dot want dot two dot ride um you should be able to find me either way like i said the, the link is on the website you can just click it but by all means um you know if you if you don't mind like and follow me on facebook um i have a lot of content that i'm putting up every day i mean i do at least a couple posts a day i'm trying to like I said, build a community of writers. You know, not not everyone listens to podcasts, and so I'm trying to use that as a platform as well. But by all means, if you're listening to this podcast, you know, please join the community on Facebook. Um, I've got some closed groups. You know, if you're interested in joining, you can just ask. You know, send send me a just do a request to join the group, and I will give you access. And so it's kind of focused area. So there's like one for new writers, one for experienced writers. You know, and etc. Just to kind of so people can discuss things that are of most interest to them so they're not getting all the kind of general communication, you know, just from, from everybody who's involved. So at any rate, uh, again, thanks for listening. Uh, please tune in again. I should have these episodes going out on iTunes soon. I'm still doing just kind of limited release till I get uh, probably just one more, maybe two more episodes recorded and in the can. So please reach out to me. Thank you again for listening. And just remember... It's always time to ride.